this is Jim Reynolds, and you have made it to the Christian Life Empowerment Podcast put on by Ultimate Mission. This morning, I'm going to be talking to Laura Pasco, who is the Director for Portland Adventist Community Services. How are you doing this morning, Laura? Hey, I am so good. Thanks for having me. I am just happy that you've taken time out of your busy schedule this morning. I know how busy you are. We tried to get together Friday, and you were busy Friday, and, and I'm sure your life is just incredibly got things going on all the time. So I really appreciate you spending time with me this morning. So basically what I want to do is I want to talk about Portland Adventist Community Services and the ministry that you have and, and what it means to the community around you, and, and then we'll talk about how other people can can become involved in what you're doing because I think you know what you guys are doing there in Northeast Portland is just it's it's phenomenal. So tell us a little bit about Portland Adventist Community Services or what uh, those of us in the local area uh, call PACS. PACS, absolutely. So Portland Adventist Community Services started in 1934. Um, so it is not a new organization. Um, but we and you are not the founder. <laughs> I mean, true. <laughs> Agreed. I am not the founder. In fact, I am. I am. Am I the last one on board here? We're about to hire a couple people. So when we hire them, I'll have. They'll be. They'll be the newbies, and I'll. They'll think that I've been here forever. But um, yeah, I am actually very new here. Um, but I am. And much younger than me, by the way. So I was just joking. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. I am not the founder. I have not been here since 1934. Um, but people who are wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus and, and serve others in a tangible way have been um, involved with PACS since, since 1934, though it's changed locations a few different times. Where we are right now, we are on Halsey and about 110th in Northeast Portland. Um, our campus has two thrift stores um, and that we are we are offering low cost housewares to those in our neighborhood um, that, you know, need dishes and can't necessarily just go out to Macy's or wherever. So we have ministry in lots of different ways. But the amazing thing about if you donate or shop at the PAX thrift stores as well is the money that we earn there goes specifically to um, further the mission of what is on the rest of our campus. And that is we have a mobile food pantry that goes out into the community nine times a month into areas that do not have uh, local access to a food pantry. Um, so they go out to nine different communities every month. We also have a on-site food pantry that um, serves a remarkable amount of people over this during this COVID time. Um, we have served in the month of July and August over 14, uh, almost 14,000 individuals Wow! Um, over that two month period. And that is giving healthy food. And um, we are really grateful to be in this space. And I will tell you, I am really proud of the food that we put out. We have amazing partners um, in Oregon Food Bank, in Zinger Farms, Organically Grown Company, Winco. We have Fred Meyer, Trader Joe's, Albertsons. We just honestly, we are so fortunate to have the relationships that we have um, that we are able to get quality food for um, our for our neighbors. We also have a low-cost dental clinic um, that is on site with us that did have to close down during COVID. And mm. so we are working our hardest to get that going up again after COVID. But if you know um, any dentists or are close to them, you know that this has been a pretty hard time for them anyway. And so now trying to have volunteer dentists and hygienists come in during this um, during this time is even more challenging. So 
Um, there is a, there's a lot of challenges, but we are trusting that God is going to lead. And there's certainly the need is out there. And we are grateful to have that as one of the ministries of PACS as well. Wow. So, hey, if it just breaking in real quick, so I'm going to get my teeth clean this week. So as I'm talking to my dentist, should I say, hey, we have this, this place out here called PAX. Would you like to volunteer for something like that? Yes, we would absolutely love to have them. I assure you. Um, talk to your dentist. Say, hey, you know, one day we are, what we're hoping to do is get, um, some dentists that would be willing to come maybe one day a quarter, um, two days a quarter would be awesome and fill our schedule that way. Um, that is our hope. So yeah, talk to your dentist. Say, hey, would you be willing to give one day a quarter to a um, volunteer dental office in Northeast Portland? We have, it is a beautiful facility. Anybody that is listening, if you want to come and see it, um, call us here at PAX and we can schedule you a tour. But honestly, it looks as as beautiful and amazing as I would guess most of our dentist office that we go to. So the equipment is top notch. We had amazing donations came in from um, ADEC and from some of our local dentists. So it is a first class dental dental office. We just need people to help us run it. Ah, well, I will definitely say something to my hygienist and my dentist this this week. They're, they um, they give to Ultimate Mission all the time. And she's part of Rotary. And, and so, I mean, she's somebody, my dentist is somebody I think that, that might do it. I don't know. I can't say, but it's worth a try. All they can do is say no, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, one of the one of the things I heard you talk about is is all the people, you know, during this time of coronavirus that you have given food to. So I, a question I have is, are you seeing new people? I know I, I work for the community. You know, we, we give out food at my church. We have a little community center there, a lot smaller than what you've got, of course. But um, but I've noticed people coming in. We have our regulars that come in all the time. But all of a sudden, we've gotten a few people coming in that, you know, have never come to a food center before. Are you seeing that same thing during this, this period of time? We are. And that's a great question. And, and it clearly comes from a spot of you have volunteered at a food bank. Because as you were saying things, we have that exact experience that we know and we love our community members. And we know the ones that come often. Um, and they can come once a month here at PAX. Um, once a calendar month. So we know the ones that we have that come out once a month. Um, but you want to know, we are at about 40% every single day that is new. So each day we serve between, it's uh, before COVID, it was about 70 to 80 families a day is how many we served. Um, during COVID, we had times where we would have up to 130 families coming through mm. a day. Um, and now we're kind of, it, now it just bounces quite, um, violently in between. So we don't know some days it'll be down to the 70 and we're like, oh, this was a quiet, easier day. And then just last week we had a day that was up to 110 again, and we were go trying to catch our breath and trying to keep up. But yes, we are noticing on average, it's about 40% that is new faces that we haven't seen before. And, you know, we have one of our, our board chairman actually came and he and his family volunteer every week. Um, and he was here on Friday loading boxes into the car. And something that he said to me uh, really spoke to my heart. And he just said, you can tell the ones that are here for the first time uh, because he said they have a look of not only of fear, but he said very much a shame yes. that they are embarrassed that they are here. And he said, I have just taken it as my mission to try to make them feel comfortable and that we are the lucky ones that we get to serve them right. today. Um, and so that what he spoke, I've heard, I've heard several mention things like that, but his description um was it was poignant i thought that that really is what so many people are facing during this time this is a new experience for them it's not something that they have had to do before 
and there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of embarrassment that they are having to come and um, seek assistance. And yet, man, when they come, we have we have boxes of healthy food that they get, and we are grateful that they um, have sought us out and that we can serve them in a time like this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what you're there for, to help those people. And so it makes you feel good to help them. And 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 they're almost doing you a favor. And if you could somehow, uh, I, I experienced the same thing. I had people apologizing to me for, for taking the food. And I'm saying, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just happy that I have somebody that needs it that I can give it to. And so, yeah, the, the experience all the way around is, is, is an, it's, it's an interesting time we're in. And you, t- you said that you just started a little bit ago in PAX. And so, and, and actually the way you and I met was kind of interesting because as, as most people that, that are on the, this podcast know that, that I run an organization called Ultimate Mission and we, we do work around the world in third world countries. And I have something called a Mahdi Drop, which is just two ounce ceramic tablet that'll keep a family of five in clean water for up to a year. And, and I was asking around the conference office and who should I talk to about this? Because I was trying to figure out a way that I could sell this in the United States to raise money money for the missions that I do in third world countries. And they said, well, you should talk to Laura Pasco. And at that time, you had a different position. What was your position in the conference right before you came to PAX? Uh, right before I came to PAX, I was the coordinator for Adventist Community Services, Health Ministries, and Disaster Response, which yeah. is where you and I yeah, met. It was great. Well, yeah, because I brought this Monty drop to you and you started throwing out ideas and I started throwing out ideas and together we came out with an idea to come up with this book, um, Connection is Protection, where, where neighbors get together and they had a Monty drop in the back of the book and we, we put a little flap back there. And I remember it was funny because the first year that we did this, we made them by hand. Remember that? Your daughter I made a knew. bunch of them. And you you designed this, and you did all the the computer work, the graphics work to put it all together. And then I can't remember who came up. I think you came up with a little packet in the back of the book to put the money drop in. And yeah. so we did this right before camp meeting. And for some of you might, might know who camp, what camp meeting is, but, but those that don't, I mean, there's the, the Seventh day Adventist church has a camp meeting in Oregon once a year where thousands of people come together and we have booths. So we were selling these books at booths and we couldn't keep them on the shelf. I would, we were selling them faster than you could make them. <laughs> and so, so that's how Laura and I kind of, kind of met and we started getting involved in disaster preparedness. And then, and then Laura, Laura abandoned me. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Right in the middle of all this stuff going on and went to PAX. And, and I mean, you went to PAX and what was it? Was it a month? Was it a week? What was it? You went to, to PAX to try to, you know, organize this, this huge organization that's been around for so long. And all of a sudden we get the coronavirus. You must have thought, oh, my goodness, do I really need this right now? You have no idea. But, yes, you you certainly hit the nail on the head a bit there. Um, yeah, so I came to PAX in the middle of November. Uh, towards the end of November, actually, right before Thanksgiving. Okay, so you had a couple months. Yeah, but have you, anybody who has been at a new job knows that really the first, like, two to three months, (laughs) you're just slowly spinning around, kind of trying to look at the organization around you, figure out the culture, figure out where you fit in, what things you love about it, what you want to keep, what you want to maybe see if there's things you can improve on, and I was just starting to feel like maybe I had some some footing, an idea of what um, this should, you know, maybe the future of PAX. Hey, what if we started this way? And God was really opening some doors and I was excited about it. And uh, yeah, about middle of February, we started talking more and more about this COVID, and then it was uh, the middle of March that we shut everything down uh, on the thrift store side. We didn't shut the food down, but we had to shut the thrift stores down. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that must have just been amazing because, uh, you know, it's one thing you go to work at a place and you're getting used to it. But it's another thing when you go as the director of the place. And, <laughs> I mean, oh, that must have just been horribly crazy for you. But, you know, I am so glad that, that things are working out so well. And I, I know people that work down there with you and, and, and seen you come in. And I've been listening to them and talking to them. And, and I tell you what, these people are impressed, Laura, with you and the job you're doing. And, and some of these people I know, I, I mean, you know, they'll complain about just about anything. But for some reason... <laughs> They have no complaints that I've heard about you. So, I mean, I am hearing you're doing a wonderful job. And through all of this, it's just it's just incredible that you had to take this place over and then trying to go through this coronavirus and and keep it all moving because you've had to change a lot of things. Right. I mean, what have you had to change besides just shutting down the um, you, you shut down for a while the uh, the place where you sold all the, the plates and pots and pans and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the thrift store. But you have that open back up. But then you've had to change to six-foot distancing, put signs on the doors of masks, and go through all that stuff. I mean, and then handing out food has got to be a completely different thing. So, so yeah, yeah. you just covered about 19 things. I'm trying to take notes about where I'm going to go back to. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> no, it's good. I get going, I can't stop. I don't know what to tell you. Jim, you and I could talk forever. When you asked me to do this, I was like, man, how long do you want this to go? <laughs> um, but, you know, back to the, I will tell you, this is an awesome organization that I stepped into. I am super grateful to be here. The employees here, the volunteers are, are genuinely, um, they are here to do God's work. And it is a, it is a privilege to be here. Um, I will say several times in that COVID time, especially in that first month, um, Jim, you, I think you know how, I, how involved I was at doing classes for FEMA and Oregon Emergency Management and that kind of, that kind of thing when I was there mm -hmm. at the conference office. And I will tell you, um, it was undoubtedly the most stressful time in my life, period. Um, but I always felt like all of my experiences that I had brought to this moment, that God had just lined them up um, so that it would give me the tools to know how to lead this group of amazing people through an unprecedented time of pandemic that we haven't seen since the early 1900s. Um, so my that all that always felt comforting to me, even when I didn't feel like I not necessarily had a clue, but I there was a lot of times where you don't know that you're going in the right direction, but you just have to jump. You have no you have no choice. You can't you don't have time to make every decision methodical when you're in a disaster situation. And so all of that disaster training that I'd done, all of the work with emergency management all came um, into an amazing um, background to jump into a place like this during the pandemic. Wow. So I, I didn't see that coming. I will tell you, I didn't see that coming when I interviewed here. I didn't talk very much about my disaster response, um, my, my disaster response experience, just because it really didn't feel like it was relevant. And all of a sudden, it could not have been more relevant. And I was relying on information to make decisions that I was getting from all of those networks that I had been so involved in um, at my previous job. I was getting instantaneous as soon as Multnomah County is sending stuff out. I was on that list because I was on lists from when I was doing disaster response. Uh, so it really helped guide um, decisions that were happening here. And to me, that is only a God thing because oh. who known that those kinds of connections and those kind of networks were going to help uh, direct this place. But yeah, you are right. We made a lot of changes, a lot of changes. Um, I'm trying to remember, and I was actually just trying to look on my phone right at the moment, see if I could jump on our Instagram page and see when it was. I want to say off the top of my head, I think it was May. 
May 15, May 16, something like that is when all of a sudden, um, let's see. Oh, do, 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 do. oh so yeah, May 13, um, we figured out, it, it became very obvious. One of the old long timers here at PAX that has been an employee, but then at that point was just a volunteer. He said to me, he said, that food pantry he said, we are going into a, food, a pandemic. That food pantry cannot um, cannot continue the way it is with it being crowded and having tons of people in there. And I think he said that to me on a Friday morning. It may have been a Thursday morning. but um, And all of a sudden, over the weekend, because, you know, why not? Why not work over the weekend? It was over the weekend of... Uh, March 14 and 15, that we spun everything around this group, this team here of management came into PAX on a Sunday and we turned the entire food distribution uh, distribution system inside out. And we went from having people used to come in, you would get interviewed in a small interview room and then head out and stand in line and wait to go through basically a grocery store shopping experience, which that has been something that is very valuable to PAX because we want to give people dignity. And there is dignity and choice where you are giving them the choice that they can choose what is on the shelves, not just you giving them it to them. So that has been something that has been very strong here. More like you're uh, shopping at Safeway or something, not like right. you're, yeah, that makes right. sense. However, in these times, all of a sudden, priorities were shifting, and it wasn't that dignity wasn't important, but safety was what was so important, and not having people in crowded spaces. And so, yeah, that Sunday, um, I think it's March 15, I think it was the Sunday, um, our management team was here all day from 9 o'clock in the morning until, I think, the last of us left about 6.30 or 7 o'clock that night. And the next morning, we were all here at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we had restructured our parking lot. We had created a process where we would have as minimal volunteers and staff as possible. We're going through and creating food boxes um, in our pantry, keeping our numbers down, and then we would go outside and it became a drive up food pantry distribution where people would drive their own cars up and it was no contact. We would either have them get out of the car and get the box or they would open their car and we would put the food in without touching anything. Because if you remember at the very beginning, contact was something that right. we're still very careful about that. We wash our hands, we wear gloves, all of that. But um, we didn't have the masks at that point. We we were so contact was a big thing at that point. So it was all right. Either you touch your car or we touch your car. But if we touch their car, then we have to go and get new gloves. And um, so, yeah, it was at that same time we were having to discourage um, a lot of our volunteers from coming because they were in the higher um, higher age higher, bracket risk bracket absolutely mm -hmm. so not only were we trying to turn the food pantry inside out to a completely new system but we had to talk to a lot of our volunteers and tell them we absolutely love you we adore you we appreciate you you matter and because we love you and because you matter um we want you to stay home for now and honestly, that was some of the hardest conversations that we had early on because people just didn't understand and they felt like we were sidelining them from a place where they were doing the work of God. Mm. And they were, they were and they still are doing the work of God. Right. Um, and actually, just this morning, I had a sweet 89-year-old volunteer in here talking to me. And he said, I still don't understand why you didn't let me come in. And, you know, it, it's and, and so I tried to explain again, like, you know, we were following the best practices of what the CDC and the guy and our public health officials were telling us. And we're just doing our best. We are asking God to lead us. And it doesn't mean that 
things don't change and we don't learn things um, because now obviously we have gone to requiring face masks. We did that even before the state required it um, because one thing that we have skipped over is that the number one way that our PACS ministry is funded is through the thrift store income. The income per month at our thrift stores funds two-thirds of the payroll for this entire organization every single month. Oh, wow. So when we had to shut down our thrift stores, um, which I'm trying to see, that was March 18. We shut down our thrift stores. Um, That was a huge leap of faith for us because that is how we fund this ministry. Um, And you'd be surprised how much money comes in every month from these thrift stores. And that is how we are funded. And so closing those down was a really scary time. Um, And we actually had to lay off almost half of the staff. Um, Certainly, I didn't see that coming when I, um, you know, signed on here in November. I didn't know that within three and a half months, I was going to be laying off half the staff, people that depend on these jobs for their livelihoods and their insurance. And like, anyway, it was a, it was a really tough time. Honestly, it was an incredibly tough time um, and a really scary time, but we have gratefully, as of this moment, we are back open our thrift stores. I don't know the date when they opened back up again, but I want to say it was sometime in May um we opened back up again and you know <laughs> looking at spreadsheets and business plans and our budget for 2020 when and the one that we submitted in January um that was obs- obsolete obviously at this point because so many things have changed um but God really took care of us yeah. and God has taken care of us in so many ways and if you look at the amount of revenue that we lost from the thrift stores during those, it was basically a two month period that we were closed down because it was the second half of, of May of March, the entire month of April, and then the first half of May. So collectively that was two months that we were closed. If you look at our donations from our community members, from our church members, from our supporters during that time, um, it, it made up, for all of our lost revenue. Yeah, and that praise is God. never happened in PAX history. We have not seen donations like that in PAX history. And it was such a faith affirming time while it being one of the scariest times we've had um, that God was taking care of us. And because of that, we have been able to bring back um, all of the positions of and we are back to fully funding our, you know, our, our accounts payable and that kind of thing to a place where we had not been before. And that, and, and that's great. And, and I noticed that same thing with ultimate mission. I mean, I, when this whole thing happened with the way that we collect money for, for what we're doing for the ladies in India is, is we go to churches, we go to camp meetings, we were going to go to general conference and, um, and all, of course, all of that shut down. And I, I had to ask God myself, I said, is this, is this over? I mean, is, is this ministry done? Because I can't go out and collect money. But, but like you say, it's been amazing the amount of donations that's come in that's made up for everything that, that we normally do. And God is in control. I mean, there's just yeah. no two ways about it. If you want something to happen yeah. and stay alive, it's going to keep going. There's just, yeah. there's, yeah. So, and, and, you know, some people <laughs> may think, well, you got to redo things. You're now you're putting food out at, you know, people are driving up, you're giving them food, but, but there's a lot of thought that goes into revamping a whole system. <laughs> I mean, I went to, I remember going to a store, which I won't name because I wanted a, a part for my computer. And this is right after the coronavirus and things, you know, started to open back up and I go to the store and they wouldn't let us in. So what they did is they would take and um, they had a stand in a line outside. So everybody's crowded in this line and they won't <laughs> let us in. 
I'm going, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I finally get to the front of the line and I, I asked the guy, I says, okay, now what do we do? He goes, well, I really don't know. I go, well, where's your manager? He goes, well, and he waves his manager over to me. We're, we're outside. And I said, okay, now what am I supposed to do? You're not going to let me in. I need this part. He goes, well, you go out and sit in your car and we'll come find you. Oh, that's going to work well. I went out, I got in my car and I drove away. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't work. You know, they didn't think through the process. And so I know that, that what you had to go through and the steps you had to take and probably the first time you did it different second time than you did it the first time. But, um, it's but, true. We have, we have made improvements all the way along and we are, but you want to know what that team that has been out there, they are a finely tuned machine and it is fun to watch. I actually go out there when I need a pick me up. I'll just go out there. There is trucks coming in, delivery trucks, delivering food. There are cars driving through. And when on those days when we would have 120, there was months where we would have 120 to 130 cars a day. And we are open from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. So that's in two hours. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you do the math, that is basically a car every minute to t minute and a half, two minutes, depending on the day. Um, and that's how quickly we were getting people through while helping them feel like they mattered and like we were grateful that they were there. And we do have somebody that goes to the cars while they're standing in line and, you know, does the interview process through a mask and six feet away and talking to them. But um, yeah, there has been a lot of changes, but our Oregon Food Bank has been an amazing partner during this. We are so fortunate to have them as our food distributor in this area, being on some of these regional and national calls that I have been on because of my, um, my connection still with Adventist Community Services and with FEMA and that kind of thing. I am so grateful for the partner that we have in Oregon Food Bank, because I assure you, not all regions and places not that far away have very different experiences with their local food food um, food banks. And uh, Oregon Food Bank actually has won like the best food bank in the nation several times. Wow. And to me, never really knew what that meant. And all of a sudden, on the phone calls and the frustrations that I am hearing from other food bank uh, directors and yeah, it is It is an absolutely different world. They have been such a partner with us, looking at ways to try to help empower us to serve as many people in the community as possible. They have been doing backflips and turning themselves inside out. So we really, partnerships and relationships has been what has been the biggest bonus of COVID for all of the hard and the struggle and the economic downturn and the uncertainty and the fear and the anxiety and all of that is real. Hmm. It's real and happening every day. Yeah. Um, we're just not trying to look for silver lining, but there have been things where we have seen God working and working on our behalf. And, you know, some of the relationships in our community has just blossomed because out of necessity, because this is what we needed. And it's things that are going to strengthen PACs and strengthen our ability to serve our neighbors better in this community um, for years to come because of the connections that have been made during this. So, you know, God is at work. He always is, even when it's scary. And goodness knows there's been those times. <laughs> um, but it is, I am so grateful to have a faith that I absolutely believe that God is working in the details and in the big picture. And that if we trust him and we absolutely are doing our best to follow his lead, um, he will ultimately lead us where we need to go. Well, there you go. I am in a working environment. Yes, so. you are. <laughs> and, and we appreciate you taking time from that working environment. And you may have heard my alarm go off, too. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you know, this is a world of bells and whistles. You just can't get rid of all the sounds. So, uh, <laughs> hey, and, and you know what? That's a great segue into what I wanted to talk about next. 
um, which is the future of PACs. I, I was looking on your website and there was, um, there's a thing on your website that talks about your three year strategic plan. And, and so I was looking at that and that looked, that, that looked very interesting to me. Um, so what do you, can, can you tell me a little bit about your three year strategic plan? That, that you guys have? Because I was seeing that, that possibly you're going to be taking a little bit of a different direction than what you've done in the past. Um, so, yeah, the, there is a strategic plan. That was something that was passed by our constituency um, in 2019. Um, and that was under a different director than it is now, but I'm obviously following that along with that. There's a lot of things that will not change the things that are working well still are going to continue going forward. But there is ways that we want to um, strengthen our presence here in this area and see how we can broaden our base um, of support and of service of different ways that we can impact the community. Um, I seen something about a chaplaincy. Chaplaincy. I can't even say it. Can I say chaplaincy program? Chaplaincy. Cha thank you. Thank you. Chaplaincy. There you go. Chaplaincy. Easy for you to say. <laughs> yes. So there, there was a chaplaincy program that was started um, about a year and a half ago. Um, that has that didn't take off before I got here, and it was one of my uh, priorities when I got here to figure out how can we um, how can we establish that going forward. I will say that COVID certainly put all of those sorts of plans on the back burner. Right, but right. But they are coming back to the forefront again, and we've been having some really meaningful discussions here about. I've been having it with local pastors, some of our Adventist pastors, some of our. Uh, some of our hospital staff, the chaplaincy staff, what would it look like to have a meaningful community chaplaincy program? And I think um, there are a lot of directions that we can go with that. We are excited about the possibilities of what that will look like. And uh, we are praying for God's wisdom to see exactly what direction that takes um, because we, we don't know, to be perfectly honest, we are not, we don't have a, um, exact three pointed bullet plan of this is exactly how the chaplaincy program is going to look. Um, there's a lot that needs to be still defined about that, but I do think that this community needs a presence here. And I would love to be a place that in the future, um, that we are the living room of this community, a place where people can come and that they feel safe, that they can have conversations. Um, what does that look like? What does that look like for the younger set? What does that look like for the older set? What does that look like for our own volunteers and staff members? Uh, there's a lot of facets to that. And we are excited to see where that goes. And we are getting a team together um, to talk about some of those specifics, especially post-COVID, what the, the need is as great, if not, let's be honest, greater than right. it's ever been for support. And when we're talking about the anxiety that are and the stresses that are on our community members right now. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot to look forward to and we are excited to see where God leads us. That's and and you know there's there's that line that you walk when you do something like that because I walk that same line with the ministry we run with the health ministry because we're not out there to put notches in our bible of how many people we oh bring to God. church, right? Oh. We're 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 out there to help people and and in our our organization is I'm sure the same in, in the way cuz you and I think a lot alike from us working together I know this is that is that we're out there to do the right thing we're out there to help people and if the holy spirit impresses people to to you know to ask other questions or do more things or or to to want to learn about the bible then um then we want them to but but we don't want this to be a hook we're not giving you right. something so that oh, now absolutely. you can come to our church and right. 
And, and so for walking that line is because you, you can't oversell God. And, and that's something we always have to remember. I mean, God is the one thing that you can, you know, you can't talk big enough about because you, you can never, you know, there's no way you can describe how great the experience is of, of having a relationship with God. So it isn't something you want to keep in the closet or hide away, but it's also something you don't want to use God to push people away. So we, there's there's a big line walk, you walk when you run an organization like yours or something like this. And then, of course, with the Oregon Food Bank, it isn't like you can just hand out literature or with bag right. with boxes of food. So Right. Well, I wanted to say that. And we, we are so grateful to be part of the Oregon Food Bank system. And that does give us some obvious limitations and we we follow them because not only because i think because we need to to get the food but also because like you said that is genuinely how i believe we should this should not be a bait and switch and hey if you if you take food from us then you know you gotta hear our sermon yeah exactly if you want food you need to hear a bible study first that is never who we have been and that's not who we ever hope to be so you're right. That is the kind of line that the chaplaincy program, what would that look like that it would honor people's choices, that it would give them a place to talk if they wanted to. And it's certainly nothing that would ever be pushed or even, or, or even put out in front of like our, our food customers that are coming. It would be the kind of thing where they would, they could know that it was happening, but it would never be pushed on them. And like you said, putting a pamphlet in the food box, that is never going to happen. Um, that's just not how we, that's not how we work. It's not how we can work. And it's not how we would, even if we, if we didn't have to, because we want to, we want to make sure that people do know that we are simply out giving them food because it is the right thing to do. And yes. so yes. there's, yeah, so you're right. That, that is some of the complexities of how do we, how do we create a program where people feel comfortable um, that they, if they had questions or they wanted to come and talk to somebody, they could, but they certainly never feel like it's pushed on them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, I, and I think that's important because that's in this age that we live in, I mean, there, there's so much advertising. What what did the average person sees 5,000 ads a day and, and so if there's anybody that can understand if they're being sold to, it's this generation. Yep. We're the most advertised to generation in the history of the planet. And so if, if we're if we're doing things because we have, you know, other intentions, um, yep. people see right through that junk. Authenticity is yeah. really um, it should always be valuable, but um, authenticity certainly takes a another this generation has really kind of seen through the veil and says no if you're here to sell me something i'm out and um you know i think that has created some interesting some interesting conversations at a church level and also um here at an organizational level about what who do we want to be and how do we want to project that to our community so you're right if we aren't if we aren't walking the walk while talking the talk, um, then we might as well pack up and go home. Right. And, you know, it basically comes down to if you don't love people, you might as well stay home. I mean, if you have an agenda, um, yeah, I don't know, go sell used cars or something. But um, <laughs> but, but if you, you've got to really have that love for people. And, and the funny part is the way you have that love for people, it's God puts it in your heart. Because I know before I had, you know, this, this Christian experience that I got in 2006, uh, there, there's no way I'd have done some of the things I do now. I, I just didn't love people. I, I would just as soon hang out with my friends than, you know, go try to help people sometimes. And, sure. and, and so there's, yeah, there's, there's a difference when, when God puts this into your heart. And so, you know, that kind of leads into, to where, um, where I kind of want to finish with this is, is how can people get involved in what you're doing, Laura? How, how, how do people, because from what you've told me, I mean, some of your older people are not able to, to come because, you know, they're afraid of this coronavirus. And of course, we don't know where things are going to go. So you, you may need some younger people and then, and then donations. I mean, you guys need donations for, for what you're doing. So, so how does that, uh, how can somebody get involved in that? 
Sure. There are so many ways that you can get involved in PACS. Um, we are we are actively out searching for um, more people to be involved in different ways. Um, like you mentioned, our volunteer base has shifted a lot. We do have some of our some of our other volunteers are starting to come back because we have taken aggressive stances upon masks and social distancing and that kind of thing. And we continue to keep that a priority, not having um, large amounts of people in one space. Um, we are we are absolutely uh, clear on that. So we have had some of our volunteers coming back, but man, only a fraction. And that's OK. We are we are allowing those that really want to come back to come back as long as we have a plan to um, have them deploy in a way that would be safe to them and safe to everybody else. Um, so we do need volunteers. We need cashiers in our thrift stores. We need people to help us pack food boxes. Um, and we need people to help load food boxes. I'm telling you, and this sounds funny, but I'm completely serious. I have joked with a couple of our team members, um, Tim, who's my associate director, and he's he has been with PAX for such a long time, and he is valuable on so many levels. Um, the knowledge that he has from before, but also his his brain thinks ex so differently than mine um, that I think we make a really good team. <laughs> That's good. We, we cover the bases really well. Um, another gentleman, Fernando, that has that worked for the organ for the Office of Education for the Oregon Conference, um, they allowed him to come be one of our solid volunteers uh, for three months and actually even a bit more. Those two, I laughingly tell them they need to start a YouTube channel for like boot camp to get really strong arms because man, those guys, they are moving. Our food boxes are about 50 pounds a piece. And each family gets two of them. And on any given day, if you do the math, um, when each family is getting 100 to 120 pounds of food and produce and they are loading it into 120 cars, they are, that is a lot of poundage that they are <laughs> They're moving, moving a few tons. Reps. Every single day. So, man, these guys, I'm telling them, you, you can start your own workout channel. Like, you want to, if you want to gain some arm muscles and some core strength, come come work at PAX. So <laughs> the gyms are closed, so there you go. Yes, this could be your gym. Come, come <laughs> every Monday morning, and we will help you lift, you know, 1,200 pounds worth easily on any given day. So yeah, that's one way that we need we need volunteers in our food area. We need it in our thrift stores. If you have something that you are passionate about, that's been one of the fun things about working at PAX is seeing that there's a gal that is crazy passionate about crafts. She loves she loves fabric. She loves um, ribbon and all of these things that are crafty, which I am not at all. But it takes all kinds. God thankfully gave me other skills because if it was left to my crafting abilities, my family would be desolate. But, um, you know, this gal has absolutely loved our craft section. We make so much money off of the, the, the things that are donated, the craft items that are donated. But that takes work to sort those, to organize them, to price them. Um, that kind of story happens in every single area of the PAX thrift store. So if you have something that you are passionate about, if you like electronics or if you like books or if you like shoes, I am telling you, we could use your expertise here at PAX. And that's a great way to volunteer. Um, or like I said, cash register. We need somebody in the office to help us answer phones. We've got all sorts of needs. You, you come and talk to us and we will find you a niche, I promise. Um, another way that you can support us is by giving us your good stuff when you give it away. This isn't just like you clean out your garage and you have a half open bottle of, you know, random cleaner. Yeah. Instead you, of, instead of going to the dump, you go take it to backs, right? right? Exactly. If, <laughs> if, if 
Goodwill doesn't want it. I promise you, we don't either. Right. <laughs> and it's not that we don't appreciate your stuff. It's that we actually really want to genuinely be able to appreciate people's stuff that they give and value it. And we can only do that when we um, have the space and the personnel to sort through that kind of thing. So if you have your, if you're getting rid of your dishes, your china, or if you have couches, man, furniture flies out of this place. Really? I wouldn't have thought that, huh? Oh yeah. If it is, if it is in good condition and you have couches or chairs, we love it. Tables, side tables, sideboards. I mean, you name it, that kind of furniture absolutely flies out the door here. Um, and so we would, that's another way that you can support us. Donate your really nice stuff that you are giving away. If you have a car, I know you take those, you take those as well, Jim, but we'll, we take cars and we sell them. So, and you can get it, obviously you can get a tax donation for anything that you donate here. So we would love that. Um, two other ways that you can, that you can support us. One is financially and um, it does take a team and, and the kind of expertise that is in our food department. I wish that I could, that I could do them justice, but the, the efficiency experts, the logistics, the food safety knowledge that our staff in a food pantry, our size has um, is mind boggling. I was going through some of my files here um, just trying to clean out some stuff. I was finding stuff that was filed in like the early nineties that I'm like, wait, why is this still in the file? <laughs> Way past yeah. the theory, three year, uh, yeah. Throwaway so, point. Exactly. So yeah. that's what we were doing. We've been revamping some of that, but I found something really interesting, um, for all of the not interesting things that I found. We found some very interesting things. One of them is that in 2005, the amount of food that PAX received for the entire year was 498,000 pounds. That's how much food we got for the entire year of 2005. Uh, when you look at 2019, so that is last year, pre-COVID, 2019, the average amount of food that was received by our food pantry on any given month, so this was the monthly average, was 108,000 pounds wow. of food. So if you multiply that out by a year, um, we were looking at, you know, 1.2 million pounds of food is how much we got. Do you want to know what the last three months has looked like at PAX? And I should, shouldn't say three months because I only have numbers for two, but I know it was they, it was in the same general area. So um, you're, you're normally doing a little right over in 2019, you're doing a hundred over a hundred thousand pounds, right? Yeah, almost a hundred thousand pounds. Okay. So for the so last two months, what's it look like? The last two months was 207,000 pounds and 214,000 pounds in one month. That wow. was the month of June was 214,000 pounds of food. We have not changed the space since 2005, when we were getting, you know, almost 500 for the entire year, we haven't changed the space. We really haven't changed the staffing that much. That just means that our staff and our volunteers are working so hard to make the space efficient and workable. And they are using every logic brain cell in their minds to keep our system running in a safe and a way that still gives people dignity. So, you know, that kind of expertise that we have takes finances to be able to pay people to work in an organization like ours. Um, you can't just get volunteers that, and it's not that we don't value our volunteers, we love them, but you have to have that kind of basic knowledge of food, of, of, food safety of logistics of efficiency to make something work like that. So that's the financial piece that we really, and the kind of donations that we have gotten as far as in our back door, when we've been donations receiving from household goods has skyrocketed the last few months. Cause you know, everybody was home cleaning out their closets and their linen closets and their, and their living rooms. You have and to have something to do besides watch Netflix. So every once in a while you got to turn it off and go do something. <laughs> Exactly. So we've been getting all of that. 
Um, so the amount of work that our employees have been doing is epic. And so that takes finances to be able to make our payroll, to be able to do our operational expenses, much less trying to expand. So there's two ways that you can donate to us. Uh, go to our website. It's www.paxonline.org. Um, it's right there on our front page, or you can do uh, backslash donate, and that will take you straight to our page. Or um, you can also, if you are the tech-savvy sort, um, you can also make donations on our uh, from your mobile phone. And all you got to do is text 44321 and text the word PAX family. Uh, to the number 44321. And that will send you into our portal to um, be able to easily donate from your phone. You can use Apple Pay. You can use all the easy ways to donate. And that, honestly, that is what keeps us going. And that is how um, our community has showed up in the last few months. And we hope and pray that they will continue in the months forward. The last way that you can help us is, honestly, we need prayer partners we need people praying for wisdom as we deal with um, some of the struggles and the tensions that are going on in our society right now. We are definitely seeing some of the some of the outgrowths of that in our neighborhoods and in our community, and um, it is it is causing it is it is causing some some new trouble spots that we haven't seen before. There is just stress in our neighborhoods in ways that. Um, we are not used to. And so we would love to have prayer covering for the work that we do out in the community for our food pantry, for our dental clinic, for our thrift stores. Um, we absolutely would love to have people that would pray for our ministry and give us the wisdom that God will give us the wisdom um, to move forward in the way that he wants us to go. Amen. That's that's good stuff. So, hey, you know, anybody out here, out here, out there, anywhere listening to this podcast, if, if you're in the Portland area and you want to volunteer, um, go to the PAX online uh, or, you know, you can always contact me at Ultimate Mission and I'll send you to the right place. And uh, so it'd be easy enough to, to go onto my website or whatever from wherever you're at. If you're outside of the Portland area and you want to make a contribution to PAX, I encourage that. And, and again, um, you can back up and go to the, the website that Laura just gave you or the text, or you can always get a hold of me and I can... I, I'll, I'll get you straight into Laura. Um, that's no problem. So thank you, Laura, for being a guest on this program today and sharing with, with us about Portland Adventist Community Services. I really, I'm going to put you on my prayer list. And, and I just, boy, I just appreciate so much what you're doing and what your volunteers and everybody working at Portland Adventist Community Services is doing for, uh, for, for the Portland area, especially in this troubled times that we're in. And so you are, your, your organization is, is highly needed and a bright and shining light in, in, in an area right now that, that, you know, has a lot of problems as people across the nation know Portland is, uh, is in a turmoil right now a bit, and uh, we need the covering of God. So it's good to have a place of God right there in the middle of it. So thank you for being part of this. And uh, and, and just, you know, I, I think we've had a good time today. Thank you. Well, thanks for asking me to be here. It's been fun. And, you know, this is God's team here at PAX. He has assembled an amazing team, and I am just grateful to be part of it and to represent it out to your listeners today. Um, but I am just one of many. And there is a there is an army of people that make this place what it is. And we are so grateful to each one of them. And I just so thank you for giving me the chance to speak on behalf of this amazing place and this um, this team that God has pulled together. We are we are here trying to forward the mission of PACS to um, lead with, to use God's Christ's example with how we interact with those in our community, giving them dignity as we 
uh, try to meet their basic needs. So we are grateful to be here, and I'm thankful to have been on your podcast today. Thanks, Jim. Oh, well, thank you for being here. And, and hey, uh, as you know, for you out there, uh, if you get a chance, look down at the bottom, subscribe to us, um, go to the website, check out what we do uh, in different parts of the world, and uh, and message us. Let us know what you think about what we're doing here and what we can do better, and and maybe give us some ideas where we can go with this podcast of of trying. To to empower Christians to to share the light of Christ with the world. So thank you very much. Goodbye and God bless you all.